My name is Jason Haugen, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can get bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Welcome back to the podcast, and today's guest is the powerful Jason Hagen. Jason runs Hagen RV, where they do over $100 million in sales, but what really impressed me is how he built the company culture inside of it. In this episode, Jason broke down how he treats his business as a round table, not a pyramid, why he created the company culture cards and how volunteering with his employees has built some of the best team chemistry. We could have done this interview for hours, but I am so happy to be able to share with you some of the principles from the culture king himself, Jason Hagen. Before we get started today though, this is a quick reminder that we are launching our Go Big to Give Big membership. If you are looking to get around people that are more excited about talking about the impact they're making in this world, more than the cars they're buying, then you're going to want to go check out GoBigToGetBig.com to get more information and join the most philanthropic group of entrepreneurs out there. Now, back to the show. I am super excited to welcome today's guest, Jason Haugen, to join us today. Thank you so much, man. Hey, thank you for having me. It really means a lot. Yeah, this is going to be a fun conversation, man. When we first got connected through Mutual Friend, it was pretty apparent that you just embody and live through the go big to give big mission. Everything you talk about is just going bigger, spending time with your family, giving back. You have a foundation for your family already. And everything you're doing is just everything that we talk and and preach about. So this is going to be a lot of fun. But for for just starting out and, and you know getting our guests to know you a little bit, I would love for you to just share a little bit of the transitions that you had to go through, through the network marketing industry into the RV sales. And we'll we'll banter a little bit through this, but as we go into the go big side of how you ended up, you know, like I said, going through the network marketing into the RVs and then scaling that up to be where you are now, walk us through that journey. Right. Yeah. I, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial household. And so I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, always wanted to to own in my own business or do something like that or, or something big. I mean, and my mom and dad did it on a very, very large scale when they were doing it. And the good thing about that, they always made us work for everything we had. I mean, we, we never got an allowance or anything for free. I mean, we had check registers and if you wanted a candy bar at Walmart, then that was fine, but they're going to take, I remember a Twix bar was 48 cents back then. They would take 48 cents off your check register. And we actually had a time clock at home for not chores, but jobs that we had to do. And we would clock in, clock out of those jobs. And it was pretty entertaining. But we learned, I say we, because, you know, I have brothers and sisters, but or a sister and two brothers. But we learned a lot. And, you know, when I was kind of getting out of high school, I went and worked for a, a nutrition company and thought I, like, thought I would own a bunch of those. Didn't really love how they were ran. And, and that's kind of why I've been on my mission for culture, which we'll get to a little bit later, but didn't like 
being a part of that at all. And I was, you know, kind of the number one guy in our region and just, just didn't, wanted to get away from it. And I didn't even want to own um, one of them because I didn't want my name associated with that. Right. And so, you know, my mom and dad were in network marketing for a while. And so I decided to join network marketing company. And that was awesome. An epic time of my life from, you know, 2013 all the way to 2019 is when I officially kind of got out of the industry. And I learned so much. What, we built a team. Say, what do you think the biggest benefits were of being a part of a network marketing company? Self-development. I mean, I, I learned so much. I mean, I, I learned how to deal with people, talk to people, deal with, you know, thousands and thousands of people on our team. I mean, I was a 19-year-old, you know, kid. And now I'm speaking on stages, teaching people how to build their business and, and motivate them and be inspirational, all these things. And so I loved it, but I loved more of the system self-development speaking side of it than I really was the biggest fan of recruiting. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm a, the greatest salesman in the world, but the greatest sales in the world, I'm, I'm going to talk you into it. I'm not that hardcore closer, 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 closer. And I'm sure there's people out there that are and talk this and talk that about me, but that's just not, that was never my role. And I'm the guy that like, I know my role. I was the guy that's going to be the, the glue. I was the guy that's training and motivating and, and creating the culture and the team. I had a brother that was a recruiting machine. So once he got like, I would, I would lay the vision down. He would hardcore close him. And then I keep the vision going. You know what I mean? I was, I were twins. And so he would do his thing. I would do my thing. We were a great team. And so I, I just fell in love with more speaking. I fell in love with the culture. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with you know, all that side of it. And so I really studied that, started to get obsessed with why people do what they do and how they think and why they think and, and why is everybody different? And it, a lot of it came from, you know, my childhood of people telling me that I was one way. And you know, I'm like, wait, I, I don't feel like that. I don't feel like I'm broken. I feel like I'm just very passionate or enthusiastic about stuff and, you know, whatever. And so I really started to really study psychology about 10 years ago in specifically in personalities and teams and management styles. And so that became my obsession. Like I got a little overly obsessed and kind of stopped doing everything <laughs> else and just went into studying that. And our company got sold in 2017. And at that point in time, I was like the top runner in the company. And when it got sold, my income or my, the way I built didn't go over there. And so I lost everything. But I still had this rank that I had to act like, right? And so I actually had to make a couple phone calls, really, you know, one phone call to my best friend and ask him if I could just come sweep floors to keep my house. And so, I mean, I'm kind of shortening the story, but I ended up working for him at a cabinet shop, sweeping floors at a cabinet shop after or before or around presenting opportunities on Zoom and speaking at conferences and traveling and doing all that stuff while I was still acting like I was a big rank because that was kind of the requirement. I was going broke at the same time. And so that was very hard mentally for me. Like, I don't like to kind of fake that. You know, my always thing is like, don't fake it till you make it, but you can have confidence until you make it. Right. So I, I started sweeping those floors, got obsessed with cabinets. I started building cabinets, you know, then I started designing kitchens and really loved the construction side of it. And I was like, man, I really, I really like this like brick and mortar business model more than I do the network marketing side, but I still kept the network marketing because I was this, this figure in this company. And so, you know, I worked that we, it, you know, in 2017 and 2017 for a while, I was in this construction company. And then in 2018, you got the opportunity to, my dad kind of approached me and said like, Hey, I know we've never done business together. He had owned about 40 different businesses, pretty large oh, businesses. Wow. And he was like, Hey, like, you know, you've always told me, no, 
would you want to do this? And I was like, you know, no, I don't want to do this. And so he kept coming back to me like, dude, this would be so much fun. Like we've RV'd our entire life. Like we've gone on, we have trailers like we've gone camping our whole life. And I'm like, no, I don't want to do anything with you. Like I want to be Jason Haugen. I don't want to be Randy Haugen's son. And I want to make my own name. I want to make my own living. I want to do everything. Like I want to be on my own. I don't want anything from you. Like besides knowledge, like nothing against them. Like I have fantastic parents, great examples of human beings. We've been married almost 50 years. Like they're the greatest people in the world. Best relationship I've ever seen. Like hands and they did everything together like all these businesses were together and so he finally talked me into it and so i finished up a project with the construction company and then we ended up acquiring the dealerships in 2018 while still having the network marketing company so like at one point i was doing the network marketing business and then i would kiss my now she's now my ex-wife i kiss her at a good night and then i'd go sweep floors and build cabinets through the middle of the night and then i would get them ready for the installers to come at five five o'clock in the morning and they would take the box truck and they'd go deliver they'd go install the cabinets and then i'd go to the gym go sleep for a little bit and then i'm up you know doing network marketing things and so and then i started to do the dealerships and the, the cabinets and the network marketing thing all at the same time and then i finally was like hey i'm leaving the cabinets and went full time or you know i did the rv dealerships and network marketing i never told a single soul that we had rv dealerships until about 20 20. So for Whoa. two years, never told one person that we had, because that was very taboo in network marketing that you're doing something else besides network marketing. Right. And so I didn't want anybody to know that, but I'm like, guys, like I'm going broke. Like, I don't like, <laughs> I'm not making any money, but you think that I am, but I'm not. And so in the fall of 2019, we got sold again is the network marketing company. And then finally, I remember the date I was in San Diego at their corporate headquarters, like November 1st, 2019. And I was like, I'm done guys. I remember the new girlfriend now I called her and was like, Hey, I'm done with network marketing. I'm all in the RV business. And you know, at that time we only had one location. And then in 2020, we acquired two more in 21, we acquired five more. And then this year in 23, we started up another one. So we have nine locations right now Jeez. and scaled up from 12 million to hundred million in sales per year. And, you know, I got 180 employees now. We call them family, 180 family members. And so, yeah, it's been a wild ride. Sorry, I know that was a kind of a long story. No, that's, that's I mean, a good... lot happened in there. It's kind <laughs> of wild, a lot of wild things. You know, I got divorced, had a baby, like all these things in, in that. But it's been a wild ride. And I've, had, I've had so much fun. You got the, the story of a lifetime and you're still just starting. And I know. So... I feel like I've lived multiple different lives. I'm in 29. So I feel like I've lived a long life and my short career. That's incredible. What great experience it must have been to be in network marketing early on. I was a part of a network marketing company for a lot of years, and it was basically a self-development program with a compensation package is what we exactly. described it as. Because it was like, it opened my eyes to so many incredible things and so many good opportunities. And I am uh, grateful for everything that we learned in that organization. And then now to apply that to business now. God, there's so many questions I have. I want to finish this story going through the RV. You know, you, you faced a lot of challenges when you first bought that first RV lot and decided to go all in on it. And from what I've read and listened to, you faced some challenges that you guys bought it, but it wasn't financially in the position you maybe thought it was. And right. you had to really turn that whole organization around, which I'm going to assume led to you realizing that you can kind of pair the culture that you found in network marketing and bring it over to a brick and mortar business. Can you, can you walk us through that transition? 
Yeah, I mean, we bought it in you know January 18, 2018 and had no idea what we were doing. No idea what the laws were. No idea to have a dealership. No idea what MB, you know, MBED. Like there's some, some dealer's licenses, all these things. The biggest thing was a flooring line. So flooring is basically our line of credit of how we buy the inventory from the manufacturer. So we bought the dealerships and about 30 days later, we got our flooring cease and desist. And it was like, what's going on? And they're like, you never even told us yourself, like buying, selling, we know nothing what's going on. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like, this should be easy. Well, that was a disaster. Luckily, you know, my dad helped out financially. I mean, the deal was between my dad and I, like he was going to invest and, you know, I pay him out. I had a certain amount of time to pay it on and this kind of be my thing. Right. And my brother came and worked for us. He's a, you know, parts guy for previous history. So I was going to be a parts guy at the dealership and my manager. And so the, the banks were like, oh, no, 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 no. Like that's, that's not gonna be that easy. So they made us put like a million dollars in an iLock for, for 12 months, just because we pissed them off. And then we had to personally guarantee the entire line of three and a half million dollars. And like, there was so many things that we did that, like we kind of pissed them off that we didn't do right. And we had no idea. Like I've never dealt with employees. I've never dealt with anything like that. But the cool thing about it is I wanted to go learn the business and kind of not have that a stigma was like, Hey, like I'm coming in to run it. So I started in sales. Um, I was just a salesperson and I, I had an entire living off of sales. I sold every day. I was, it was 65 miles from my house. So I had to 65 miles one way, 65 miles back. Sometimes that was a three, three hour plus commute in traffic in the winter. And I, I had an entire living off of sales through that. Like a lot of the dealership runs through sales. So I had to learn a ton and I learned how everything works and the, the disconnect between sales and service and everything going on the miscommunication. And I kept telling my dad, I'm like, I got this. Like, I can make this work, but I don't have the credibility with the employees yet to come in and be like, hey, I'm actually your boss. Like, you know, my dad's been here as this thing because we didn't want, you know, hey, this 20, at the time I was 24, you know, coming in there and saying, hey, now I'm your new boss. Like, that would be a little bit weird. So um, about six months into it in June of that year, I became the operations manager, which I loved because I was the background guy. Um, our general manager was the front, you know, to the customers and to the, more so the employees. And I got to just work on the operations and making it the best company out there and, and really focusing on, on all the things that I needed to learn. It gave me the opportunity to travel, to go to different conferences, meet and network with people to learn because I'm, I'm on an island. The RV industry is, is generally very old individuals that have been around, been there for 30, 40 years. There's a handful of us that are under 40. And I think I'm one of the only ones under 30. And so, you know, nobody really wants to tell me their secrets, especially here in the city of Utah. It's a very bloody ocean to the point that we have an association that we can't even use because no one can agree. And I don't know what the past history is. I could care less, but they can't get in the same room as each other. And so then we don't even, then I have nobody to call. I have nobody, no goodbye, you know, so. I, I lucked into a consultant. I was sitting at a at an RV show in in Oregon, and I'm kind of a confident guy because you know network marketing. I talk to anybody, and I went up to this group of guys who look like a bunch of heavy hitters, and I said, "You guys look like a bunch of heavy hitters. I should probably sit at this table." So I sat down at the table until three o'clock in the morning, and everybody at that table is some of my best friends to this day. I mean, I I kind of made some really good relationships there, and one of those guys specifically has been like my biggest mentor in the industry, and. Come to find out he's like one of the most influential people in the industry so that i lucked out so you know big advice to people i say just getting getting those circles getting networking because that's i feel like that's why i'm at, you know where i am today dude 
That is so cool. I love that. And and I love that you weren't afraid to go challenge an industry that was so different. Steve and I, when we started in real estate, said the same thing. Real estate investing is a, typically a lot of old white men. And it's like, it's so hard to break in and and they just want to see you fail basically because that's what the culture is to, uh, to be able to come in and, and be young and have some success is uh, very crucial and to find a mentor to take you under their wing and help you out really uh, allowed us to get there. The right. um, the final piece of the story that I'd love for you to just walk us through before Steve may hop in with a few other questions here is just what's, um, so you, you come in, you're now the ops manager and you're now in that pairing part. Hey, I see what I can take from my previous life experiences, apply it here and create something that maybe the RV industry hadn't seen before or linking stuff that just people never even thought of in that industry. What was that like for you? It was awesome. Like we started a book club with the managers. We started paying people to read books. And basically, like I, went, I needed a paragraph of one, how you're going to use this in your personal life and another paragraph, how you'd use this in your work life. Because I, I totally feel like you build a better person, you build a better company. So I went an all out, not like an overbearing blitz, but I went an all out blitz of how to build the individuals of the company. And we started to teach personalities, which is what I you know, have now become an, an expert in and studied and have thousands of hours of studying through like le legitimate PhD psychologists on personalities and styles with that. And so I was able to pair everything that I had with the knowledge, but then how to do it in like a brick and mortar. Cause it's very, very different of now you're dealing, you know, network marketing, dealing with people that are all chasing a dream that, that feel like they can, you know, accomplish these huge things. And then now in a company, like it's, it's very similar, but now you're having to cater to role players. Now you're having to cater to people that are, you know, going to be a technician for 20 years or going to be a general manager for 20 years. Like it's very, very different, but I, I treated everybody the same. And then I kind of created like cool incentive programs and commission programs that are very network marketing like, because I feel like that's a very good aspect of network marketing does very well. And it was really cool to see people change the leadership change, the, the conversations change. Now we're talking about you know, different personalities or management styles or, you know, how can we become better people so we can help our team? Like then we got more collaborative in the round table. Um, I, I'm a totally like a massive believer in um, Napoleon Hill's like a true mastermind, like round table discussions. Um, I feel like a lot of masterminds out there are just, you know, one person trying to control everything. I'm like, that's not really like any masterminding going on. Um, like I try to do the really the round table approach. And like at the beginning of my podcast, like it always says business is not a pyramid, it's a round table. And so I put myself on that round table that we have to make this decision together. Like at the end of the day, like my last name's in the building and we have to sign the check, but I want us to all be okay with what we're doing and be aligned. And that's what, what means the most. We can agree to disagree, but as long as we're in alignment, then I think we're good. And so developing that has been massive. And, and a lot of people always ask us, you know, how we've been able to scale so fast or really grow and it's the people. And like, I've done a lot of consulting that, you know, like a lot of people are trying to figure out how I've been able to do that. I scale through people. So I don't try to overscale the company if I don't have the right people. And it's not only just people on the bus, it's the right people in the right seat in on the right bus. Like it's just, everything has to be very like intentional. And you know, through all of this, like through the last five years of doing this, I've teamed up with some other people to create softwares that help, help us do this and help us use like a data approach to building these teams and these people and, and all of that. And so this has been, like it's just grown past my wildest dreams. But this is where my passion lies is dealing with people and in culture. But being able to build that is 
really, really cool. Like I, I have some people that are like, you would totally think that they're like their own motivational speakers and like leadership people. <laughs> and there, there are some, some people in our, in our company because they just care about it so much. Awesome. Jason, man, you are a true inspiration. <laughs> I've really enjoyed, like I, I listened to the podcast and, and read a little bit about you, but hearing it from the horse's mouth is, there's a magnitude and a, a conviction that comes along with it that I truly respect and admire. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's fair, man. It's just. <laughs> Do you think that we create our own luck? And the context to that question is like, you went up to that table. You sat, you had the balls to go up and, and be like, hey, this looks like a, a table of heavy hitters. Like, this is the table that I want to sit at. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say yes through massive action. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I feel like if you're out there moving and shaking, you're, you're having massive action, you're doing stuff, you're intentional with everything that you do. I feel like, like through the, like the law of attraction that people are attracted to that and like things will come your way. Because like, I will argue that you could sit on your couch for the rest of your life and probably nothing, not, like not much will happen. But quite often, like, you know, even on my podcast, I'm interviewing people. It's like, they always were ha- like action. They were always in the middle of it. And then they like met, met one person, like one of them, a very successful friend who was in door to door. And like, he just happened to knock on somebody's door, but that would have never happened if he would have never taken the action to do it. And that door ended up being a very wealthy individual that liked him and they teamed up and, you know, now he's uber successful, uber wealthy because of, you know, the history with them. So I feel like you have to take that massive action. And it's almost like when, like, I always used to joke, like whenever I was looking for a girlfriend, never found one. When I wasn't looking for a girlfriend, I always found one. And so it's like when you're, when you kind of take your eye sometimes a little off so much of something and you just go make, take action to what you, you know, you eventually want the outcome to be. I feel like those things will just fall into place. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we kind of create our own ecosystem of that. Like you can almost call it luck, but it's like, it's almost expected that something's going to come out of it because you are taking the action. And that, that that's the law of, you know, act, I'm sure there's a saying for like, but that I always call it, like, that's a law of action is that something one, like something will come, come from that. Yeah. You know, given, given like your passion around culture and the conversations that you have and the people that you know in the network and in the space, I've worked in places before with really poor culture. Do you think that we as, I'll say like general industry right now is in a culture crisis? Yeah, I think so. You have to care. You have to care enough to care about what people want, what people desire. I mean, right now we're such an uber ultra competitive market right now. And a lot, like there are a lot of industries laying people off, but there's also a lot of industries hiring like crazy. And you can say the higher paying jobs, a lot of those are not going away because people are, it's very competitive and, and people are kind of staying there. But I feel like you as a company or someone as a company, if you're out there, like you have to make that decision of what culture you want to create. And, and I'm not talking about everybody gets a trophy and you have the greatest M&Ms and Skittles and the break room and everybody gets a water and things like that. Because at the end of the day, I can go buy my own Skittles if I really care about Skittles that much. And so it, it has to be intentional. You have to care. You have to make that decision to want to build that culture that is so rock solid, that is so you know bulletproof, where even in good markets and bad markets, that doesn't matter because people have just have that belief and that vision th- with you, through you, even in their own ecosystem, their own personal selves of what that vision is for themselves. If you keep driving through that where they're feeling satisfied in their work and fulfilled in their work, then you keep driving that like, that is a rock solid bulletproof culture 
if you have this culture that's just so focused on money or like so bloody or this, like, you know, very cutthroat and cut and dry, like you have to also have a, like hold yourself in a high standard and of excellence. So you either coach them up or you coach them out, but you, you have to, you know, be intentional with what you're doing. I mean, it's, like I, I talk to people that about all the time and like, well, I just, you know, this, you got three strikes, you're out. And I'm like, well, have you ever asked them why? Like, why, what's going on? How can I, like, have you ever been doing the, like the investigative work to figure out, have you set them up for success? What are their personality styles? What's their management style? Do you know their five-year goal? What, why do they even work for you? You know, I, I've been consulting with a company right now that has a, you know, a bunch of high schoolers because that's kind of the model that they've created is a lot of part-time high schoolers and they're having a hard time finding those people, I'm like, well, do you know why, why do they work for you? Obviously, it's to get something. Like, are they trying to save it for an Xbox, a PlayStation, college? Like, why do they work for you? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, maybe you start going and creating a, like a culture around, let's accomplish your goal by this is how we're going to do it. Like, I need you to sell, you know, I need every time that we have a sign, I need you to offer this because if you offer this, I'll pay you, you know, a dollar more here and there. And then we're going to accomplish your goal. And remember, like the, the outcome that we want is that like, People just don't even care about that. Like they don't even know. They just think people are kind of a necessary evil and they're not. Like I believe the, you know, people in general are not your biggest asset. It's the right people that are your biggest asset. And so creating that environment, I think, you know, you have to care. You have to be intentional. And also, you know, with, you can get down to the nitty gritty. It is expensive to keep replacing people. Mm -hmm. And so employee retention for me is how I gauge my success. Smart. And I do believe there's one thing that you said there that I just want to quickly highlight before Randy takes over again is like, it is our responsibility as the leaders of the company to align ourselves with the success of the employees. Right. If, right. if, we, can, if we can do that, if we can make sure that our employees are happy and successful, guess what? You're going to have that retention and you're going to have that productivity that we're looking for in business. Yeah. I mean, job satisfaction and fulfillment mean everything. If you, you can totally tell if someone's not satisfied in what they're doing or fulfilled in what they're doing, they have poor production. They don't even care. It just means nothing to them. And then you can start building the comp plans around it. You can stop, start building the culture around it, you know, run incentive programs and get people on teams and working as one unit. You know, I always joke like, you know, I, it's like a freeway going down, you know, middle of LA or whatever. There's a bunch of spaghetti bowls. It's kind of confusing. And then once you get out there, it's like very, it's like a country freeway, right? Like you're going from state to state between the major cities. It's kind of just flows. There's hardly any traffic unless something, you know, happens, but it's just flowing. And so how can I reduce the spaghetti bowl and get everybody going down the same freeway? Maybe not at the same speed because we have different roles, but at least we're all aligned going the same direction. And it's just, it's wild to me that people don't even care. Like pretty much 95% of the people that I consult with they never even have asked these questions. Like, what are you aligning to? Like, I have no idea. Well, why are we here? What is your mission? Like, what is everybody driving towards? And they're like, I don't know. I'm like, well, if you just keep holding, you know, a dollar sign of revenue, then okay, that's cool. But what does that mean for somebody else? They think you're going to go buy, you know, a Lambo or something. But what does that mean for them? And, you know, especially with, you know, what we're going to talk about a little bit is giving back. Like, what can that mean for the impact of your community or world? Like, break it down to where people can have that burning desire for themselves to be, be able to want to, you know, because I generally think people don't wake up and want to suck. So how can we help them, you know, feel fulfilled and not suck, right? Yeah. What a great segue to, to move into the giving round and just talk a little bit more about giving back and something, a stat that I've read over the time, I can't remember the exact number, I think it was like 92% of all employees are happier if they get to volunteer inside their organization. And that yeah. creates 
that, that giving culture and that people are excited and want to serve. And I know that's something that you've taken inside of your dealerships and made very prevalent and very prominent for, for you and for your clients. Can you walk us through what you did for culture in that space? Yeah. I mean, giving back is so important to us. I mean, I, every one of our employees has a culture card, which has all of our values. And on the other side, it says our mission statement. And one of the values is giving back. And so we, we outwardly show and inwardly show that one of our values is giving back. And, you know, we do it through various different ways. We have the Haugen Family Foundation, which, you know, we, we, we do, you know, stuff with, we focus on single parents, veterans, and kids. And I, you know, shout out to the single dads, cause I was one for a little bit. So I had to add that in there cause there's a lot of hurt in that world with the single dads. So can't forget about, forget about them. Mm-hmm. And then we also require, you know, all the stores to do, you know, in their local communities, do something you know, for giving back and we give them a little, you know, a budget every month and we have a, a, a giving back committee at each store that they figure out what they want to do. And a lot of it is volunteer basis. A lot of it is donating, you know, shoes. Like, you know, we've done where we, every trailer we sell, we will donate a pair of, or every, I think every, like every trailer we sell, we'll, we'll donate a pair of shoes or two pairs of shoes or whatever we end up doing. We haven't instituted it as a full-blown requirement yet, but we're, we're kind of working on that through some things, mostly through trying to figure out what organizations we kind of approve and, you know, things like that. But then they all volunteer every quarter, a paid time off on our dime or paid day off on our time, our dime to go volunteer. And so we, it, it means a lot. I mean, I totally feel like I was put on this earth to help people. And a lot of it is through, you know, speaking and, and things like that. But a lot of it is through giving back and, and making that forward. Like I didn't want to be the guy that's like, oh yeah, we give back. And it's like, well, what have you done? And it's like, oh, well, you know, we've done a few you know, it's like, hey, like it's going to be on our culture card. It's going to be on our all over in the dealerships. And we're going to do something and highlight that every month. So it means a lot to us. That's so cool. Just out of curiosity. So like, do your clients notice that? Like, do your employees talk about the the give days or the volunteering and stuff? Like one of the things that we're working on with Go Big to Get Big is understanding that, you know, it makes you more human and relatable when you talk about giving back. It was stigmaed as a as a sales tactic quite a few years ago. But now what we're doing is using it as a way to relate to human. Like, hey, we love giving back to Kids Sport Victoria because Steve and I loved sports growing up. And the thought that kids can't play sport just because of finances makes us sick. So if we can go support that, people are like, oh my God, I get you. I can relate to you. And now I want to do business with you. Is that something that you've noticed they talk about or they're excited about as clients come in? How does it relate to your clients? 100%. 100%. We get great, great feedback from you know our customers and, and everybody we, we work with. Because I was like you, like at the beginning we started to do this, I was like, I don't want people to think that we're doing this just for PR, right? Like there is a good way and bad way to do that. And I feel like there are a lot of, there are some people out there that just do things just for the gram and just for some PR and just for an article and things like that. But I also want to showcase what our employees are doing and like what our company is doing because I want them to be proud of what they got to be able to participate in. And I want them to be proud of you know, the impact they are making. And so, you know, there's also a fine line. So, you know, for a while, we didn't really outwardly say much to the, you know, our customers, but now we're finding, you know, the more we're like using social media and everything, things like highlighting, like, you know, giving 72 hour emergency kits out, or we did a massive toy drive. We've done coat drives. We fed, there's 1,250 people on one Saturday at a, uh, it was like a junior high in a very rough neighborhood. And like, we've done all these things. And so, our customer, how can we get involved? How can we get involved? How can we get involved? I'm like, oh, like people actually want to do that. So we're going to create like more PO, like more material inside the locations. It's like, hey, like a portion of, you know, every 
things sold, parts serve, everything it goes into, you know, helping individuals and our communities and different things. Cause like a lot of all, all the dealerships do something different. Like we've paid off food bills, you know, in rougher neighborhood. One of our dealerships is in a very rough part of town. And we've been able to use those communities or go in those communities and be able to feed them, especially on holidays. You don't realize that the child hunger is in like wild, even in our own backyard. Like I feel like I always lived, I live in a county called Davis County and I used to live in an adjacent county, always thinking everybody in Davis County was super rich. And it's crazy how big of a problem, even, you know, what this supposed, you know, Davis County is now I'm thinking, you know, now I'm like, where are all the rich people? I thought, you know, my, I always thought it was very different, but now like seeing those. So we've been able to do th things like that. And it means, it means a lot. So the customers are getting more, you're getting involved, donating things like they, they want to get involved. Like we'll do, you know, we're planning on doing a big, huge volunteer thing coming up in November. You know, I want to feed 10,000. We fed 1,250. I want to feed 10,000 people. 10 X. That's easy. Let's, let's feed 10,000 people in November. I'm really hoping to, I think the, the hardest part about pull, is pulling it off and being able to do the logistics around that with, cause we multiple locations, but I'm working with a local charity that that's all they do every single weekend. They feed a few thousand people. So I think we'll be able to pull this off. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's important to the customers for sure. What do you think is your own personal favorite part of like all of that? Like whether it be like the, the hands-on experience, the volunteering, the impact that you see in the communities, like the impact that you have in the business, like seeing other people get motivated, like for Jason, What's your favorite part out of, out of all? I love seeing people happy. I mean, I, I love seeing the impact that our company makes and it makes me feel like I've done everything for the right reasons. I mean, I, mm. the last thing I want is to build a company for the wrong reasons. And Amen. You know, feeding, like I, it was kind of last minute when we fed that 1,250 people. So I just asked me and my wife and my in-laws and my, my wife's little brothers, I was like, hey, we're going to feed a bunch of people and we're going to be there all day and all that. So we did that. And seeing the, like people sobbing and like, I'm like, man, like this, this is what it's all about. Like, this is what it's all about. Like everything that we've done, like this is what it's all about. And that really, that moment is where I'm like, Hey, we're going to feed 10,000. Like we got, we got to do this. And it's, it's so fulfilling to me to see people happy, to see kids happy. It's motivating because now it's like, how can I go bigger? How, like now it's like, Hey, we need to be more profitable, like figure out how to be more profitable so we can give more, like and do more and make a bigger impact. And you got to go big to get big. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like that, it's motivation for us and, and all of our team. I had a, you know, one of our team members up in one of our stores and she literally was thinking, like just thinking us, I was there yesterday. She's like thinking us like so much for the ability to give back because I've always wanted to give back. I just really haven't had the means, but she's the main, you know, woman, you know, in that store really like probably the, the most impactful in our company. One of the most impactful in our company giving back. I mean, every single month, it's like clockwork. It's, it's amazing to see what she's been able to do and how much it means to her. And I'm like, Hey, like, you know, we got you. And she's like, it's even motivating for her to make sure that she does everything she needs to do. So we don't lose any money or anything because she feels like she's, she's taking away from kids or taking away from whatever you're going to do. So it's been really cool to see that within our company. Yeah. Getting them bought in with the, with your vision as well, right? That we talked about you aligning with them. They also have to be aligned with you too, but I think that's a great thing. Like you want to be building a business for the right reasons. This is my favorite question I get to ask every, every guest. Is there a moment you can think of that is your, like one of your more favorite moments of giving that speaks profoundly to you? It's one that might pull the heartstrings or doesn't have to be the biggest check you ever wrote, but uh, a time that really just means a lot to you. hundred percent. I mean, I got two. I will say right. one was feeding the, the community and what it meant to them and those kids and 
you know, can I get a to-go cup, you know, because I'm not going to eat this weekend. And I'm like, what? Like, it was amazing. And like, that was the most, that was one of the most fulfilling moments. Um, but one in particular was we were able to, you know, we got hit up by the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And they, this little girl, her name is Claire. And she's, you know, very, you know, short, you know, terminal, like it's a very short amount of, you know, life she's about, she's going to be able to live. And we, I heard about it kind of last minute and I was like, whoa, 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 like, let's, let's get more involved. And so we matched the donation, we gave her a trailer and then we gave her a big chunk of change. You know, I think it was 10 grand to go buy kayaks and to go camping and gas for the rest of the summer. Mm -hmm. And we threw a massive party. I bet there was a hundred people there for her. They were thinking they were just going to come get the delivery of the trailer. And no, we threw a party. I mean, me and my wife and my daughter flew up to Portland at our, you know, those stores and threw a big party for her. her and my daughter were running around playing and we're like, this is all yours. And we gave them, I mean, and then the coolest part about it is we had employees like handing envelopes of cash that I don't know how much it was, but envelopes of cash to them and then giving them camp chairs, giving them toys, giving them everything like, like on their own. We didn't ask them to do that. They did 100% of that on their own. The manufacturers stepped in. They showed up. They were giving stuff. Like it, it was this massive event, and it was one of the coolest experiences I have ever had. And Claire, you know, she's still doing well. Like she's camping. Like it's cool because I'm, I'm in touch with the family and friends on Facebook. I'm seeing where they're going on camp. Like it's just that means so much to me that she was able to do that. And it was so cool that her last wish was to go camping with her family. And that she wanted a new trailer, all these things. And so we hooked the family. It was just, man, like that was awesome. And it actually made me like, we've done other things with Make-A-Wish Foundation. We were a part of one of the largest, you know, donations ever to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And they, like, I mean, I think they do a, a great job, you know, doing that. And it just means a lot. To, like I just seeing her smile, like I'll never forget her smile. And the, the surprise when we all came, kind of came around, when they showed up and there's this were balloons popping. I mean, it was just crazy. Like I, almost get emotional now. It was one of the coolest experiences I've ever, ever seen, ever yeah. been a part of. The listeners can't see you light up, but man, that is one of my favorite moments about that question is just seeing people share a story or a moment that lights them up that they don't really get to share all that often or, or talk a lot about. So dude, the the smile and your energy is uh, amazing right now. I absolutely love it. And it's <laughs> a perfect transition for us to jump into what we call our giving realm. So just some rapid fire questions around giving back. You ready? Yeah. Break on one charity that you like. The Young Caring for a Young Foundation. They donate tens of thousands of meals to kids every year. And they, they do it on a big scale. And they do a lot of things for, you know, kids in the communities and backpack. I mean, they, they're doing something all the time. I mean, they have a, they're a pretty big foundation. They got, you know, big, big support. And I've always kind of wanted to be like them. They're unbelievable. We do stuff together in tandem all the time. And they're just fantastic group of people. Awesome. What would get you more excited? Donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping people? Oh, you know what? I'll say physically helping people. I mean, although I would love to write a check, it's, it's more meaningful when you're there. Like a rule for our foundation is we don't love to be big check writers. We want to write the check and volunteer. So that's kind of like my rule is like, I can't just give you a check and do nothing with it. If, if that's the case, then we won't do it. We have to volunteer. Like we have to be a part of the impact because our company means a lot to them. Very cool. I love that initiative. Who inspires you with their giving? 
I'll go back to the Young Caring for a Young Foundation, the the Young Family. Just been so intricate in you know community here locally and in other communities to the point that they've actually changed state legislation for what they're doing to have their foundation at every school in Utah. And that's in works oh. and in process right now. They've had meetings with the governor and stuff like that's that's impact for sure. Hell yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Do you think that entrepreneurs should include a giving component in their business from day one or wait until they've seen a little bit of success and maybe some money in the bank account? I think day one, because it's free to volunteer and it doesn't cost you anything but time and everybody's got time. And, you know, maybe you're not being able to write these huge checks. Like, and that's been us for a while because I don't, like, I can't put the company out of business to be like, you know, I got to play this, you know, this, this yin yang kind of thing. But I'm like, but what is free is volunteering. So if there's anything we see, anything we need, banding together, we can do whatever we possibly can. Like, but there's a will, there's a way. Especially if you're a business and you have social media, you you could throw it on your social media, like, hey, we're raising, you know, this is what's going on, we're raising this, this, whatever. There are different ways to be able to do that. And like I said, volunteering is free. So I would not wait because if I feel like the more you wait, the more odds are it'll never happen. Very cool. Great answer. Describe go big to get big in your own words. Oh man, I want to just keep growing the company, keep scaling, and I want to go big. I mean, I want to go big to give, literally, to give big and to make a bigger impact, you know, across the country, but really, you know, really in our communities or where our locations are at. That's you know on me to make sure the company's profitable, make sure we can do that. Like that's a huge motivation for me to be able to put those pieces together to be able to have the the access to money, and then also learning how to you know get outside funds. I mean, there's learning, you know, kind of using vendors and stuff like, Hey, you want to do business with us? You got to do, you know, this do no donation to this. And that, like, there are ways to do that. And so it, it just got to get, obviously, you know, it just takes time to, to do all that. In one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Fulfillment, happiness, jump and joy. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> all the happy words. Yeah. Uh, well, the final question we got for you today, Jason is, do you believe that money can go buy you happiness? Oh, that's a great question. Do I think that money can buy things to make you happy? Yeah. But do I think it's the root of all happiness? No. I mean, I like the the way to all happiness. No. I mean, I think that money can do really amazing things. I think Jim Rohn always says it's right up there with oxygen. Like I'd rather have more of it than less of it. But I also think that, you know, I was a, you, you, most people would say wealthy individual, but I was completely broken and divorced and, you know, losing my family and I was unhappy and I would rather give everything up to, to keep my family together. But, you know, so yeah, I mean, I think it can buy you things that make you happy, but I, I don't think it is the thing that makes you happy. And then even things are not the thing that make you happy. Like happiness comes from the inside. Absolutely. What a great answer and uh, well described. Thank you so much for that, dude. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and just being such a gift for all of our audience. I mean, you you embody so much of what we talk about and so similar with the way Steve and I have built a lot of our businesses and the cultures we run. And it was uh, so amazing to have you come in and be able to share all of that um, with us. I want to give you a second now to just brag on yourself. How do people get in touch with you? How do they find out about your content? If they want to follow more of what you've got going on, what's the best way for them to find you? So best way, Instagram. It's going to be, so it's just uh, Jason Haugen and that's H-A-U-G-E-N. So just Jason Haugen and you know I'm on there all the time. Got a lot of content. I also have a podcast called Culture Camp. It's on every podcasting platform out there. And I have a website called IamJasonHaugen.com. And a lot of my consulting and speaking and all that stuff is through through that. But yeah, I'm 
Instagram is probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. I recommend everyone give him a follow. I've been following him for uh, a few weeks since we got connected. And man, your content is just A plus. And exactly as you showed up on the podcast today, all about culture, happiness, giving back and positive energy. So it's been uh, it's been refreshing to see that from a social media page. So thank you so much for doing that. And thank you for coming in and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give big with our profits. It's been a pleasure having you here. Hey, thank you so much. It really means a lot having me on. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can. And it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember, always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.